0: everyone you're listening to bionic bug podcast with fiction author and national security expert natasha Bajima. join me as i discuss the latest news about emerging technology read chapters from bionic bug and explore the real life technologies featured in my novel we'll discuss where fiction meets reality in the future Hey everyone, welcome back to Bionic Bug Podcast. You're listening to episode number 17. This is your host, Natasha Bajima, fiction author, futurist, and national security expert. I'm recording this episode on August 18, 2018. So last weekend, I attended the Writers Police Academy in Green Bay, Wisconsin. I experienced two days of interactive and educational hands-on experience led by police detectives and officers and it was amazing. There were so many cool courses, I didn't know what to choose from. We got to see several demonstrations, including the Green Bay firefighters putting out a real fire in a burn house, and a dive team searching for a baby dummy in the river. So I'll include some pictures in the show notes, be sure to check them out. So I kicked things off on day one with a three hour course called Murder, Death and Mayhem. In this class I learned about homicide in the United States, Did you know that we have a very low homicide rate per capita compared to other countries in the US? You wouldn't necessarily know this from the way the media treats crime, um, but incredibly low. Um, And death by firearms accounts for about 72% of all homicides in the US. Not a real surprise there, but note, um, you can kill people other ways. In the afternoon of day one, I participated in the pursuit immobilization technique. This is a high-intensity class where we got to pursue a suspect in a vehicle chase and uh, immobilize the suspect's car. Yes, this is in real cars, yes, it's uh, there's possibility for a crash. In fact, on the first class, somebody crashed the car and they had to go get a new car. Luckily, that wasn't uh, my session so it turns out after 10 years of crazy driving in dc i was a natural i was able to make physical contact with the other car without flinching an iota and i pulled off one of the best maneuvers of the day so you can see the video in my show notes my final class of day one was called shoot don't shoot firearm simulator this is another high intensity class This was really eye-opening. We were playing the role of police officers, and I had to decide within the fraction of a second whether or not to use deadly force. And what's really interesting is that often we make judgments about cops who are pulling the triggers. There's a lot of times we've seen in the news where it's not appropriate, but you know, if you allow the suspect to um, take action, you only have, you really can't, you don't have enough time to react, so essentially it's shoot or get shot in in some cases. Um, Again, I was a natural. My scenario involved taking a pit stop at a liquor store, which is a little questionable. but um, And we came face to face with a man wearing a ski mask and holding a paper bag and a gun. So this was a pretty straightforward scenario. We knew that there was a bad guy, but again, that doesn't necessarily mean that we could shoot him on the spot. He was just coming out of the store and was a bit stunned to run into me and my partner. I yelled at him to drop his gun and put up his hands in the air several times. He didn't respond and then um, as soon as his gun hand twitched I took him out with three rounds to the chest. All those hours of playing Call of Duty really paid off. On day two I took a class with canine dogs and their handlers. I got to meet a retired handler and his German Shepherd. I was fascinated to hear his stories and the biggest takeaway was how effective dogs are compared to guns and getting suspects to surrender. It turns out the idea of getting bit by a German Shepherd is far scarier than getting shot at. Um, But because they cost so much money to train, it's really difficult to convince the public they're worth it. Um, In the afternoon on day two, I took SWAT Dynamic Door Entry Breaching class, where we learned the various methods of gaining entry and searching the premises for bad guys. I had the opportunity to try on a SWAT vest. It weighed 50 pounds, and that was without the pistol and the ammo. There's a picture in my show notes. I'm posting it and hoping not to hear any more wise-ass comments about my trigger finger. The fake gun, fake, is heavy, and it was much easier to hold that way. Um, I also attempted to breach a door with a ram. This is much harder than you think. My first day back at work after returning, my arms and hands were sore from that experience, and that was the first that I could say that it was because of a breach with a ram. I closed out my experience with a class on behavioral clues at crime scenes taught by forensic psychologists. Wow, that was fascinating. We learned how to stage crime scenes, which is super exciting for my novels. Um, but my biggest takeaway was that most criminals in real, the real world are pretty dumb. So um, I will be recording another episode tomorrow to cover the tech headlines, and that is I'm doing that because I won't be recording again until September. I'm going on my last vacation of the summer and unfortunately cannot do this on the road. So let's turn to Bionic Bug. Last week Lara moved in with Maggie while she waited for repairs to her townhouse from the fire. She learns about the plague and watches video footage captured from the beetle on the night of Sully's death. She also gets another message from her stalker. Let's find out what happens next. Chapter 17 Botox Clinic Laura stepped off the Metro bus on M Street Northwest in Georgetown and looked at her watch. She was not the type of person to run late, but she'd vastly underestimated the commute into the city from Maggie's apartment in Fort Totten. With her motorcycle still stuck in the shop getting repairs and her dislike of driverless cabs, she reluctantly decided on the Metro system to get around. Vic waited for her patiently on the front steps of Heavenly Cosmetics Beauty Clinic, holding an extra coffee cup. At Justine's recommendation, they were visiting the clinic to investigate the source of the botulinum toxin that killed Sully. Heavenly Cosmetics was known, among other things, for its renowned expertise in administering Botox. You're late, Vic said, smirking, as he handed her the coffee. Without a car of his own, he knew all about Metro Woes. Laura often got on his case for being late, claiming there was no excuse for his lack of planning. After her own tardiness, Laura had the feeling she'd never hear the end of it. And you're funny, Laura said. Before I forget, Maggie downloaded the video footage of Sully's townhouse captured by the beetle camera. She dug the USB out of her pocket and handed it over. I've watched all of it, but I want you to take a look. Maybe you'll see something I missed. Also the quality of the video is suspicious. I think someone might have tampered with it. Anything juicy on this? Vic asked, arching his eyebrows as he held up the drive. Not really. There's footage of an unknown woman searching Sully's townhouse and some clips of Ashton in Sully's safe room. At least, I'm assuming it's him. She decided not to mention the note she'd received the previous evening via Courier Beetle. He doesn't need more to worry about. Did you get a chance to call that lawyer? Vic asked. What lawyer? Lara scratched her head. Vic rolled his eyes and sighed. The one I told you about. Sully's executor. Wyatt. Last name starts with, a T. I T. I gave you the information in the hospital. You didn't lose it, did you? His eyes narrowed. Lara grimaced. No, of course not. Been busy. I'll get to it. She quickly turned away from Vic and walked toward the clinic entrance. Now, where did I put that note? Only a few seats remained empty in the large waiting room tastefully decorated in relaxing tones of beige and pastel green. Gentle and soothing music played in the background. Vic plopped down on a seat in the corner next to a table piled with magazines. As she walked up to the reception desk, Lara surveyed the women sitting in the plush chairs of the waiting room. They were all of a certain class, well-dressed, and quite beautiful. Trying to get more beautiful, Lara rolled her eyes. The receptionist swiped left on her phone repeatedly and didn't seem to notice Lara. She leaned in and cleared her throat. The receptionist jumped in her seat, a hand flying to her chest as she looked up at Lara. She hurried to put the phone away and offered a resentful smile. Yes? I have an appointment with Dr. Grayson at 10 a.m., Lara said. She had Justine to thank for getting onto his calendar. Normally, Dr. Grayson had to be booked at least three months in advance. Please sign in here and have a seat. We'll call you when he's ready for you. As Lara went to sign in, The receptionist shook her head and patted Lara's hand. You're going to be so happy with the results. Lara glared at the receptionist, but the woman was already swiping left again. Lara's mouth hung open for a moment, but she decided it wasn't worth the trouble to put this woman in her place. Instead, she finished, signed in, and went to find a seat next to Vic. Except something stopped her dead in her tracks. In the opposite corner, a familiar handsome man with curly brown hair sat in a chair reading Sports Illustrated magazine. Rob, is that you? Lara asked hesitantly. What were the chances? Rob looked up and his face went a bit pale. She clearly caught him red-handed doing something he didn't want anyone to know about. Lara, what are you doing here? He fidgeted with the magazine in his hands. I should ask the same of you, Lara grimaced. Um, uh, here with Alexa... Lara's stomach dropped. Bimbo Barbie was the last person she wanted to see, especially dressed down in her regular black leather jacket, t-shirt, and stonewashed jeans. She expected Alexa would be decked out in the latest fashions. It's her birthday today, so I took the day off and am treating her to a facial thingy, he motioned awkwardly at his face. I see, Lara said, in the iciest tone she could muster. What are you doing here? I, I didn't think you were more interested in this sort of thing. Rob waved his hand around, pointing to the various poster advertisements, offering unrealistic guarantees for defeating wrinkles and the aging process. I'm not. Vic and I are investigating Sully's murder, Lara said. Oh, really? Murder? I didn't realize you had the cause of death already. Botulinum toxin, you know, the stuff your girlfriend is getting injected into her face at the moment. Wait a minute, Rob raised his eyebrows and his face became stern. You knew the cause of death and you didn't tell me? What, wasn't Agent Carter able to make up with a medical examiner to get a copy of the autopsy report? And aren't you all buddy-buddy with Detective Sanchez now? I would have told you myself, but then I almost got burned to death and spent several days recovering in the damn hospital, in case you don't remember. Lara's nostrils flared and her blood began to boil, but she wasn't ready up to let up quite yet. And don't you dare tell me you've been straight with me, because I'll call bullshit on you right now. You've been hiding all sorts of interesting tidbits. What about the money from KillerBot, Rob? And would you like to tell me about CyberShop's deal with you? And what about your working with Justine? When are we going to tell share that interesting detail? Rob flinched. Damn it, Lara! I'm not lying to you, he shouted. You weren't in the need to know. But a lot has happened since we met at the coffee shop, so yes, I withheld information from you back then, but I did it for the right reasons, and now it sounds like you're fully informed about everything anyway. Rob's face turned red and a vein appeared on his neck. His outburst rendered Lara speechless for a few minutes. He never used to lose his cool so easily. In the silence, the gentle music playing in the background reminded Lara of her surroundings. The poised, beautiful women in the waiting room were all staring at them with wide eyes, some with disgusted expressions. Vic buried his face in his hands and refused to look at her at all. Sorry, Lara said, apologizing to everyone in the room. She sat down next to Rob and tried to regain her composure. Smelling his cologne made her feel as if nothing had changed between them. She'd bought him that scent for his birthday. It was one of the few masculine scents her sensitive nose could tolerate. Rob's expression softened. Laura, I'm sorry. I didn't mean to raise my voice. It's just that... it's just... it's just what? Her voice was unintentionally sharp. Well, you still get under my skin sometimes. Rob's cheeks turned red as he avoided eye contact. Laura's face flushed. Rob, I didn't mean to come down on you, guns all guns blazing, but I really need some answers for my case. Sully died. I, ne- I need to find his killer. She paused, swallowing hard and holding back tears. I believe Fiddler and possibly the cybershop character have something to do with it. I know you're not supposed to talk about an ongoing investigation, but... Her lip quivered as she avoided eye contact. Okay, what do you need to know? Rob asked, his voice calmer than before, almost tender. I know Fiddler paid a hefty deposit for the drones and later reneged on the deal to buy them. Do you know why? Lara asked. Rob crinkled his forehead. We're not really sure. Maybe he was on to us? When he canceled the order, he did ask us to do something odd for him. Really? What? He wanted us to send the NSA all the paperwork and evidence related to the drone show. Said he didn't need the deposit back, but this was of the utmost importance. Lara furrowed her brow. Huh. And did you send it over? Rob nodded. Yeah, that's why Justine and I are cooperating so closely now. He paused as if trying to remember something. I keep forgetting to tell you that the doc- a doctor by the name of Anita Fidler prescribed the antibiotics to Sully. Interesting coincidence, isn't it? Could she be filler's wife or maybe his daughter? Lara's mouth fell open. What the hell, Rob? This news didn't warrant even a phone call to me or Detective Sanchez. Whose side are you on? Rob's face became suddenly tense. Rob! A familiar female voice grated on Lara's ears. She turned to see a stunning, tall, thin, blonde-haired woman walk toward them. Alexa wore black high heels, cropped camo green pants with a cream-sparkly cream shirt, and a military-style jacket. Bimbo Barbie. Uh, Alexa, this is, uh, my friend Lara. His tone turned stiff and unnatural. The Lara? Alexa asked. Her voice was high-pitched, and she didn't hide her irritation. Lara stood up to shake Alexa's hand, though her grip was limp and noncommittal. What is she doing here? She's actually jealous of me. Lara couldn't help but smirk. Honey, she's here to meet with a doctor, Rob said, jumping to his feet. Alexa looked closely at Lara, scrutinizing her face. Oh, I see. Well, I want to leave now. You promised to take me shopping. A mortified look fell across Rob's face. He traded me in for that. Keep me in the loop and let me know if you find out anything about Anita, okay? Rob said as he followed Alexa out the door, holding her purse. He dragged his feet a little. It was almost painful to see his confidence dwindle in his girlfriend's presence. Almost. You reap what you sow, I guess. Lara nodded. Will do, she called as Alexa opened the door and let it slam in Rob's face. He took a deep breath and glanced over his shoulder at Lara. Lara shrugged her shoulders. She's your problem, not mine. Miss Kingsley, Dr. Grayson is ready to see you, the receptionist called out, eyes still glued to her phone. Vic followed Lara down the long hallway into the doctor's office. Dr. Daniel Grayson sat behind the desk in a black leather executive chair wearing long white lab jacket over his clothes. Despite his salt and pepper hair, Dr. Grayson looked young for his age, but in a slightly unnatural way, his skin was just a little too tight. Laura suspected he might have helped himself one too many times to the anti-aging procedures he administered. She took a seat in the plush armchair next to Vic. "'Miss Kingsley, how can I be of help to you today?' Dr. Grayson said. When he smiled, there was hardly a wrinkle on his face. It was uncanny, on the border of disturbing. "'I would like to learn anything you can tell me about Botox,' Laura said. "'The case I'm working on involves a murder caused by Botox injection.' Dr. Grayson pursed his lips. Well, I don't know what you're suggesting. Our clinic administers Botox as approved by the FDA and... Sorry, I should have clarified up front. The murder was not caused by a Botox treatment from a clinic. Rather, the perpetrator acquired a sufficient quantity of Botox and injected the victim with the toxin with the intent to kill. I'm here to understand everything I can about this toxin and how this could have happened. Oh, I see. Dr. Grayson relaxed his shoulders. Well, Botox injections are the most popular non-surgical cosmetic procedures in the country. Some people live by them. Administered properly, the toxin typically wears off after three to four months. How does the toxin work? Lara asked. It paralyzes the muscles in your face and prevents repetitive movements whenever you make facial expressions. Those movements cause unwarranted wrinkles. Could a cosmetic Botox injection cause death? Lara asked. I've heard of a few cases where the toxin was improperly administered by an unlicensed clinic. However, the doses approved for cosmetic treatment are too low to cause botulism. If the toxin is highly concentrated or administered in doses higher than permitted by the FDA, then illness can occur and death is possible. In those cases, the client or patient would have suffered from what is called irogenic botulism. Otherwise, no. The procedure is safe as they come. How might someone get a hold of significant quantities of the toxin, Lara asked. Botox is a commercially available product, so it's possible to purchase from any number of suppliers. That said, suppliers typically verify the legitimacy of end users and their licenses to administer the toxin. We get our inventory from a company called Beautific Creations. They complete a new background check every, with every order. I doubt someone off the street could go and buy a large supply without raising suspicions. Lara lowered her head in disappointment. Are you sure you don't have any other ideas? Dr. Grayson rubbed his chin and looked upward to the ceiling as if he were trying to retrieve a lost memory. Come to think of it, several months ago, I heard about a stolen Botox shipment to Beautific Creations that impacted deliveries across the region. Fortunately, our clinic had plenty of the toxin on hand, and our treatment schedule was not disrupted. I didn't think much of it at the time, but that might be the source of your toxin. Lara perked up and wrote it down in her notebook. But how would someone know a truck was carrying small bottles of deadly toxin? I'm not really an expert on security practices, but I imagine they knew what they were looking for. Lara nodded. Thanks. That was really helpful. I think we've used up too much of your time, but I really appreciate your assistance. As Lara stood off to leave, Dr. Grayson strode quickly around his desk and came uncomfortably close. As he moved in, she leaned away. Up close, his skin appeared waxy, almost like plastic. Do you mind me taking a look? He asked, grabbing her chin before she could respond, inspecting her face and moving his hand across her cheek. My, my, don't you have an exquisite bone structure, Dr. Grayson said. However, there are some things we could do if you wish to preserve your youthful look. He took out a piece of chalk from his pocket and sketched a few lines on her face. Are you sure you don't want a treatment on the house? Justine is one of my best clients and I'd be happy to do a favor for her. Uh, I don't really do that sort of thing. Uh, thanks for the offer, though, Lara squirmed away from Dr. Grayson's hands, squeezed around him, and headed toward the door, motioning to Vic to follow her. Once they were clear of the doctor and safely in the hall, Vic tapped her shoulder. Lara, I looked up the address for Anita Fiddler, Vic said. Her office is not far from here. We should check it out. Good idea. Lara couldn't get out of the clinic fast enough. Thanks for listening to the Bionic Bug Podcast. If you enjoyed the show, please leave a review on iTunes. You can also support my time in producing the show with Patreon at www.patreon.com. That's P-A-T-R-E-O-N forward slash Natasha Bajma. See you next week.